Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Being lowered in the water represents our old life dying. Life dying. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, our past and future sins are gone forever. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. When we are raised out of the water, it represents our new life in Christ. Just as Jesus was resurrected, we are a new, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Has come. In the name 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 of the Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are buried with Christ and raised to walk walk in newness of life. I could see them, but I don't know if they could see me, and I'm certainly sure the home folks weren't able to see me very well. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all, and uh, I am excited to preach. Uh, Evan's already introduced me. He said, I'm Pastor Rick, and that is correct, and I love to preach, and this morning, we're going into part two of a message series, What the Bible Says About Baptism, or it's called washed, new life in Christ. Our view of water baptism is almost always shaped by the tradition that we grew up in. Now, some of you grew up in a tradition similar to ours, where you're baptized by immersion in a baptistry. Last week, Bill shared his story of water baptism. He was baptized in a river uh, someplace out in the country. And, uh, but for some, your tradition might have been that when you were born, your parents took you to the church that they attended and you were baptized as an infant. I remember clearly a family that was recently saved. This is, goes back many, many years, not in this community. And they were beginning to grow in their faith. Their family was Lutheran, hadn't attended in years except at Christmas and Easter, and the only ones that were attending were the grandparents. And while they were part of our church, our church was still relatively new at the time, uh, they, they gave birth to a new baby. 
It was an exciting time for them, although there was a little bit of complications with the birth. Uh, there was not a whole lot of risk, but there was some risk to the child's health as it was getting older. And they approached me as their pastor and said, we want to have the baby baptized. And I explained to them that that's unnecessary because uh, baptism is something that is for those who have given their hearts to Jesus. And they said, but, but you have to understand, um, we grew up Lutheran and we've been taught since we were little that if the baby is not baptized, the baby can't get into heaven, that that was absolutely necessary. I went on and I explained to them uh, briefly from the scripture about uh, how children are safe in Jesus, that there is no sin on their lives, and that water baptism is not necessary for their child. They went on to say, but, but our parents... They brought us, and we were baptized. They didn't go to church, but they wanted to make sure that we were baptized. And so, they said, would you baptize our baby? And I went again and said, listen, I'll be more than happy to have a baby dedication service because that's what we do here. We'll allow you to bring the, the, your, your baby forward. We're going to pray over them. We're going to pray over you as parents. But water baptism is saved for those who are, have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That next week, they went to the Lutheran church and had their baby baptized. The pressure from the grandparents and the emotional anxiety that they felt regarding this thing called water baptism and how they had been instructed that it was a need for heaven made them go to the Lutheran church they didn't even attend because they were frightened for the child. Very few people, I have found out, have actually um, been exposed to or had a teaching regarding water baptism and what the Bible says, which is one of the reasons that I am doing this series. Um, that picture on the screen right now actually is my background, how I grew up. I grew up as a Roman Catholic. And until I came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I thought that baptism was something that was done to babies. My parents told me that they took me to the church that they were attending. My parents were Catholic. My grandparents were Catholic. I don't know about my great-grandparents, but I would assume there was some connection to the Catholic church. So they told me that they took me to the church when I was about a week old, and basically the priest put water on my head and baptized me. Um, there were godparents there, by the way. I have attended baptisms for other family members. And at one time, my sister and I were asked to be godparents to one of our cousin's babies. And so I can faithfully say, people of God, I am a godfather. And I will make you an offer you cannot refuse. Obscure, well, I would say obscure reference, but it's probably not that obscure. So since many of us have not really studied or looked at what the scripture says regarding this thing called water baptism, that's why I'm doing this two-week study called Washed, New Life in Christ. What does the Bible say about water baptism? So here we go. With just a casual reading of the book of Acts, which is the story of the early years of the church, it becomes very clear how important water baptism was to the church and new believers. Here's some scriptures. Day of Pentecost. Very first day, people could get saved. The Holy Spirit falls. Peter preaches. They say, what must we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God 
and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. A massive water baptism service. A few chapters later, Acts chapter 8, the gospel has now left Jerusalem. It's gone up to an area called Samaria. The Samaritans are the people referred to here. The people, those Samaritans, believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. A Jewish Pharisee by the name of Saul had an encounter with Jesus. He became a believer. He lost his eyesight. Got, Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off a horse, blinded him. And he went away for prayer for three days. And then a man by the name of Ananias came. So Ananias went and found Saul. This is Acts chapter 9. Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Many years later, the gospel has been spreading, and a man by the name of Cornelius, a Gentile, the first Gentile, the scriptures report, he and his family hear the gospel and accept Jesus. They receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and then Peter asks, can anyone object to their, meaning these Gentiles, being baptized now that they received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. One of the primary things that the Bible shows us concerning this thing called water baptism is that the early believers held it to be extremely important. It was almost always the first thing that was done after a person chose to become a follower of Jesus. We're going to look at a story from the book of Acts today. I'd like you to grab your Bible in whatever format that you have. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going. And uh, if you're at home and you're watching on the device, you're just going to have to listen to me. But for, if you have your device available at home or here, please go to Acts chapter 16. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory as to what uh, took place. The man by the name of Saul is now called Paul. He is one of the missionaries who is advancing the gospel and the cause of Christ in that area. He is now on what we call his second missionary journey. You'll see that in your, in your headings in your Bible, Paul's second missionary journey. He and a man by the name of Silas have now been traveling for several months. They've been sharing the good news of Jesus, both with Jews and Gentiles. They are outside of the nation of Israel, and uh, they are currently in a region called Macedonia. Macedonia was a part of mod is, a, is a part of modern Greece. And they were in a very Gentile area. Most of the people that they were dealing with were not Jewish individuals. They were Gentiles. So they come into this community, and they begin to tell about Jesus, and they begin to preach about Jesus. And a demon-possessed slave girl, who this demon gave the ability to tell the future, to tell fortunes, is following them around saying, these men are telling you how to get right with God. These men are of the Most High God. And she was so irritating and constantly interrupting Paul that Paul stops, looks at her, and casts the demon out in the name of Jesus. And that fortune-telling spirit leaves, 
And the owners of this slave girl realized that their income was no longer going to be made off of her. So what do they do? They get very upset with Paul and Silas. They have them arrested. They have them beaten. And they have them put into a dungeon. And we're going to pick the story up now in the 22nd verse where it says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. So he is making sure that whatever these guys did, he probably wasn't aware of what happened. He just knows that he's been handed over to prisoners by the city officials. Paul and Silas have been beaten with rods. Their back has probably laid open. It wasn't just a nice beating. They would beat the prisoners severely. It says around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. It was a miraculous earthquake, probably very localized. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. If those prisoners had escaped, he would have been tortured and killed. He didn't want to take a chance. He was going to commit suicide. But Paul, verse 28, Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, ran to the dungeon, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. I'm sure that evening as Paul and Silas were singing hymns, they probably were praying. The jailer had heard this and he was aware that these were very, very godly, righteous men. Now the jailer would not have been a believer. It's obviously he asked to be saved. He might have been a worshiper of foreign gods. He might have not believed in any god. But whatever happened that night with what Paul and Silas sang and said and then with the earthquake... He comes trembling to them. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household, saying that everybody in the household who would believe would be, would be saved. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. So there was a, a service, a preaching service that took place. They shared the Lord with him and all who lived in the household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Here we have a service where Paul shares the truth, the reality of the gospel. The jailer and all the family members who are hearing are able to believe, and as soon as they can, before even dawn comes, they are water baptized. So let's review last week's questions about baptism, and then we'll get to this week. There's only one question, but there's five parts to it. 
Why should I be water baptized? That is this week's question. But last week, we answered these questions. What is water baptism? Water baptism is a public demonstration of a new association or identification. Wow, a lot of words. It is a public demonstration. You publicly are doing something. You're going into the water. Somebody is putting you under the water. It is a public demonstration of a new association and identification. That jailer and his family were saying, we have chosen to follow a new Lord. We have chosen to follow a new God. And we are going to publicly affirm that, associate with this new God by being water baptized. It happened instantly for them, and it happened publicly. When you choose to follow Jesus and you choose water baptism, you are choosing to associate yourself and identify with Jesus Christ as his follower. Two, who should be water baptized? Only believers. The Bible teaches what's called believer's baptism. You are baptized after you personally repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your heart. There's some people who have said in this passage that, oh, well, the babies and the children must have been baptized in a household because it said they baptized the whole household. No, it said he preached to the whole household too. He said that the household believed. There were no young children in this household. It were people that could understand and believe that's who was baptized. You are always baptized after you personally repent of your sins and ask Jesus in to your heart. Now again, the Bible does give examples of infant and child dedication, but baptism, however, all throughout the scripture is only for believers. As I said, that family that had come to me and wanted their infant baptized, I offered baby dedication, but they couldn't get past their fear that if something happened to that child, that that child wouldn't be in heaven no matter how much I assured them. So, if baptism is a public demonstration of a new association and only believers are to be water baptized, then when should I be baptized? When should I be baptized? Baptism always takes place after salvation. Number three, baptism always takes place after salvation. After a new member's class? No. After you're 12 years old or 18 years old or some other age? No. After you quit smoking? Or after you get your mouth cleaned up? No. After you've broken your addiction to painkillers or alcohol or porn? No. After I've been living right for a while so that I've proven to God that I'm worthy to be baptized? No. When did the jailer and his family get baptized? Remember, these are probably idol worshipers. They probably even had idols within their home. Paul brings them out, takes, or the jailer brings Paul out and Silas out, takes care of their wounds, brings them to the house. What happens? They are uh, taught and they receive the gospel. And what immediately happens? Did Paul say, now get rid of those idols? Get rid of this. Make sure of this. No, they were baptized because baptism always takes place after salvation and as close as possible after salvation. Number four, how should I be water baptized? The biblical mode for water baptism is immersion. Baptizo is the Greek word. It means to wash, to dip, to immerse, to plunge under, or to submerge. And that is how baptisms take place. Here, you're completely taken under the water. And then the last um, point from last week, does baptism save you? The answer is no. Baptism does not save you. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
and Romans chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Subpoint under point, or that review point five is this. Water baptism is not a condition of salvation. It is a public declaration and profession of salvation. Water baptism is not a condition of salvation. It is a public demonstration and profession of salvation. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little aside here, okay? I am fully aware of the different groups which declare that you must be water baptized to be saved. A number of Sherry's family belong or used to belong to one of these groups. That stated, it wasn't just enough to accept Jesus that you had to be baptized in water. Very much on the scripture, um, repent and be baptized and you will be saved. I've studied the scripture. I've looked at where many of these groups come from and I've looked at what the Bible teaches. Baptism is a public demonstration of what has already taken place in your heart. If you have opened your heart to Jesus, if you have asked for the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life, you are saved. If you want to visit with me more, maybe you have someone in your family that's part of a group that says that you have to be water baptized to be saved. Very often these groups, just, just to let you know, say that you, better, you have to be baptized in their denomination or in their particular mode of baptism or you're not saved. I would love to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, but today I don't have time to get into that, but I didn't want you to assume that I was not unaware, that I was aware of these things. So, here we go. New material for this week. And I actually have a little bit of time. We'll see. If I can get into heaven without being water baptized, why should I do it? Why should I be water baptized? If it doesn't save me, why? Why should I bother to get wet? Why should I have to get my clothes changed? Why Bill last week, and if you weren't here last week, you probably want to watch it online where Bill shared his testimony. Why should he, uh, as someone with polio, someone in braces, someone in um, very, very uh, sturdy support shoes, go down the bank of a river or a creek, be helped by five men to get down there and five men to get under the water. He's already saved. He's going to heaven. Why go through all the work? I'm going to give you five reasons. Number one, if baptism doesn't save me, why? It is your public profession of faith. The line there is a little small because originally I put public profession of faith, but I'm going to have you squeeze the word your public profession of faith. This is when you declare publicly. Now, maybe you've already told people that you're saved, but you're going to stand before people and publicly profess your faith. It is your public declaration of your association and identification with Jesus. So, Maybe somebody brought you to church as an infant, such as they brought me, my parents brought me, and had baptized, had you baptized according to that church's tradition. You were actually dedicated and christened. Now it's your choice. Will you go public? Will you be water baptized? So number one, it's a public profession of faith. Number two, you are following the example of Jesus. Now you think about it. If anybody didn't need to be baptized, it would be Jesus. 
But Jesus actually came to John, who was baptizing at that time. As a, as a, as a, he, John was a forerunner of the Messiah. Jesus went, and when John saw him, John was actually, he said, um, listen, I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to be baptized. But Jesus said, no, let it be done. Let's read about it in, in Matthew's gospel, third chapter. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now, look what happens after that. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Other translations say, With whom I am well pleased. God was pleased that Jesus would identify with what was happening. God was moving. People were desiring to repent of their sins, to be baptized with John's baptism. And Jesus said, let me identify with that. Let me identify with what the people are doing. And so he was water baptized. So what you'd be doing, you'll be following the example of Jesus, who is also water baptized. Number three, probably if, if I had to pick one if I was just going to teach this with only one thing, this is probably the most important. Obedience. You're, you are water baptized out of obedience. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus' great commission. It's some of the last words that he spoke. And what did he say? What were we to do? We're to go and to make disciples of all the nations, and we're to baptize them. When you are baptized in water after you are saved, you are obeying the command of Jesus. When I or whoever uh, takes part in your baptism, baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm obeying what Jesus told me to do. Then Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I've, I've had a lot of people that after they get saved, oh, they don't know about water baptism. They don't want to stand in front of people. Uh, it doesn't really matter. They're going to heaven anyways. Why should they do this? If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey my commands. And one of the commands is be water baptized. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Number four, identification. This one's a little more complicated, and so I'll take some time explaining the text that I have chosen. Identification. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. When you come into the baptistry and the water is deep enough, we actually place you fully under the water. It is a symbol. It is an identification with Jesus being put into the grave. You're being put under the water identifying with Jesus' death. Of course, we don't leave you under there. 
we bring you back up. An identification by faith with what will take place when the resurrection of the dead happens. Now, if we happen to be alive when Jesus returns and the resurrection of the dead happens, then by faith, that's a symbol of the rapture. We get our new bodies. But as Jesus was in the tomb and came out of the tomb, baptism is a way of you identifying with his death, dying to yourself, dying to your sins. They're forgiven, but you're saying, I'm dying to my old life. It is in the grave under the water. And then when you come up, it's a symbol of new life in Christ and, of course, by faith, future for the resurrection. In Galatians chapter 3, here's another passage that te teaches about the identification aspect. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The picture is that in the waters of baptism, you put on Jesus as if you're getting new clothes. Many churches actually will have uh, baptismal robes or garments signifying the new robes here. Uh, a T-shirt and shorts is just fine. Um, but symbolically, you are putting on Christ. The picture throughout the New Testament of water baptism is identification that you figuratively die and are raised, and then you put on Jesus like putting on a new garment. Number five, special grace and blessings. Everything I've taught thus far is clearly shown in the scriptures. Gave you scriptures for all. But this last point, and I will let you know, this last point is my opinion. If you want to disagree with me on this one, you are certainly welcome to do that. Here's my opinion. Track with me. Just have everybody's attention. Do you know of any place that Jesus commands us to do something that he doesn't have a reason for it? When Jesus says that we are to be baptized, I believe he has a reason for it. And what I've seen over the years, both in my own baptism when I was a 20-something, before I was in pastoral ministry, come out of the Roman Catholic Church, got saved, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I fought with this thing called water baptism, as many who um, come to faith out of uh, like Catholic or Lutheran or some of those uh, groups that baptized infants, it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit emotional because it's like, well, I'm, I'm sort of rejecting what my parents did and I'm saying what my parents did wasn't good enough or, or I'm rejecting that church system or that church structure. And what my parents did when they brought me to be baptized was a good thing. They followed what? They believed it was the right thing to do. They had me christened. They had me dedicated. But it wasn't until I personally accepted Jesus that I was water baptized myself. But what I have found is that there, are, there is a grace that God has when you're water baptized. I believe there are blessings that are bestowed upon your life because Jesus says, do this. And I believe he's there with us. When I baptize folks, we stand up there. When I baptize them, I believe that Jesus Christ, spiritually, is almost standing in the water with us and that he is bestowing blessings. I have heard testimony of people that said, you know, after I was water baptized, it was like these things broke off my life or I had greater power or I fell more in love with Jesus. So many testimonies of people 
that were wrestling with things, but at the, at the day that they were water baptized, something very special took place. Now, I cannot, I cannot give you chapter and verse for this. I can only give you from experience, but that's what I have found experientially is that Jesus very often blesses individuals when they obey, when they identify, when they go public, when they follow his example, and there are graces and blessings available to them. So the last thing on your notes and the last question is this, do I need to be water baptized? And I can't answer this for you, but I will give you some questions that you can ask yourself, and then you can decide, do I need to be water baptized? First of all, have you repented of your sins and opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you prayed to ask him into your heart? Have you chosen to be his follower? If the answer is yes, I'm going to ask you another question. If the answer is no, water baptism is not for you. You need to become a follower of Jesus first. Now, you can become a follower of Jesus today and then be baptized in a couple of weeks. But for you, you need to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you said, yes, you have repented and opened your heart to Jesus, then here's this question. Since you opened your heart to Jesus, have you, remember, since you opened your heart to Jesus, have you been water baptized? If the answer is yes, you can tune me out right now because the rest of this message doesn't apply to you. The answer is yes, you can tune me out. But if no, then you need to be water baptized. So the question is how? How is this going to happen? On the screen is a slide, which is just a, uh, our mobile app. If you go to our mobile app and you go to Columbus First Assembly, and then you go to the drop-downs that are in the upper right-hand corner, and you click it, you're going to get all of our drop-down tabs. All the way at the bottom is one that says Next Steps. When you click on that, you will have a choice to click on the water baptism tab. You click on that, you will get a form so that we will have your name, and then I will make contact with you, and we will um, talk, and I will uh, ask you a couple of questions and let you know what's going to take place. Uh, Pastor Evans already given me some names. Jack has given me a name. I have some others. I believe we have four or five on the list right now. But if you have not clicked on that form yet, please do so so that I know that definitely you are interested because our next water baptism is the last Sunday of this month, August 29th. So get signed up. Go to that Next Steps page on the website. Call the office if you prefer to do it that way. But here's my, here's my thing. Go public. It's time. Don't put it off another week. Go public. As a team makes their way back to the platform, just want to talk to you just for a few moments. Water baptism in the early church was absolutely essential. So essential that in Paul's case, he had been fasting for three days. He had been prayed for. He just received his sight. The first thing he did was to be water baptized. The jailer, middle of the night, he and his household hear the gospel. They get saved. What happens? Paul and Silas take them someplace and baptize them. Before they're released from jail, the jailer actually had to take them back and lock them up. But before he did, they were water baptized. Last week, we saw the Ethiopian who uh, Philip preached to. 
And what happened? He saw water and says, what's to keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing, if you believe on Jesus. So they get out of the chariot and they go and be water baptized. I don't believe that Jesus has something for us to do, and it is done so quickly in the New Testament. I don't believe that it is something that we should put off. I don't believe that it is something that we should say is not that important. My own personal story, as I said, I wrestled with water baptism because I had come from a Catholic tradition. And I had been baptized as an infant, and I knew that it was going to be something that was going to be difficult for my parents. But when I chose to be water baptized, I was excited because I was finally going to do, I was finally going to obey, I was finally going to identify. I remember it was on a Sunday evening. I also remember it was the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's. I don't know why the church scheduled it on that particular Sunday. First Baptist Church of Monroe, Michigan was the place. Joe Atkinson was the pastor. Up to that point, I was saved. I was spirit-filled, but not water baptized. So I got on the list, talked to some elders and the pastor. And on that Sunday night, went into a dressing room, put on a baptismal robe over a swimsuit, stepped in and just something very emotional about that moment. Walked down and my pastor greeted me, shared a bit of my faith story as to how I came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And my church family was there, some people I had met in that church, and then going through the, the process, he says, now, Rick, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he took me down under the water, brought me back up again. And it's a moment I won't forget. Did every chain fall off of my life? No. Did my mouth get totally cleaned up after that point? No, but it was better. But something did take place. I believe it to the depths of my heart because when you choose to follow Jesus and to obey, there's grace and there's blessings. And I'm appealing to you, I'm appealing to you who can only watch online, but you could come in for a water baptism service if you have opened your heart to Jesus and have not yet identified with his death and his resurrection if you have not identified with dying to yourself and rising to new life in Christ, get on the list. Get on the list. If we have 24 people get on the list, we probably won't do them all the 29th. I'll break it over a couple of Sundays. Here's what I would hope could potentially happen is that as God begins to move in our community and God begins to move in our midst, that baptism wouldn't be two or three times a year. It would be once a month once every other week so that we could even more closely follow the biblical model of someone giving their heart to Jesus. Now, I don't remember, Pastor Evan, when you gave your heart to Jesus. Um, it was as a teenager, is that correct? Young teen or child? You were five. Oh, you were young. 
But let's say it is your five-year-old who honestly gives their heart to Jesus. I would love for your parents to come to me as pastor and say, Pastor, when's the next baptism? I say, it's next week. So that you would have been able to follow the example of salvation and baptism almost immediately following. Not waiting to, oh, well, it'll be back, it'll be in April. That's my, that's my heart and my desire. But for now, as people are ready to be baptized, we are going to do that. So we've got four or five right now on the list. Hopefully you've gone to the website already. If not, do, it af do so after the service. If you've given your name to Pastor Evan or to Mr. Jack, or your child has given their name to Mr. Jack, still go on the list anyhow. I'd really like for you to get the material and to sign up that way. Let's go public, church. Let us follow what the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to do. Let us demonstrate the washing of our sins and the new life we have in Christ at the end of this month through water baptism. Jubao as I pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that for any here that are not water baptized, they are born again, they are saved, they are not water baptized, that they will immediately get on the list. They won't fight it. They won't, they won't come up with excuses. That they will realize that it is something that you have asked them to do, even commanded them to do. And they will obey. They will identify. They will follow. And they will also receive from you grace and blessings. And Lord, in the next few moments, as we just take some time to worship you, if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that you would be heavy upon them and that they would open their hearts to Jesus when I, open the, when I give an invitation in just a few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. For a moment. I want you to hear a story of, of a man who came to Christ in very interesting circumstances. But give us a brief account of when you found Jesus and then your water baptism, and you need this so both they can hear you and the folks at home can hear you. All right. <clears throat> so, in, uh, I mean, my story is like in 2010, I was, you know, coming off of a heroin addiction and just lost in the world, and uh, I came into a program where, you know, it was a 18-month discipleship program where you, we got to build a relationship with Jesus for 12 or 18 months. So when I was, I came into the program and as, you know, I'm in a uh, house full of guys, you know, there's like three, you know, six of guys in the, in the house. And as we're, you know, coming in, you know, we're studying, we're learning about Jesus and we're learning about building a relationship with him. And, you know, we're, we're really all lost. And so um, as we're in service and, you know, we're just raising our hands, learning more, building a relationship with God, we come up to, uh, we're going to have a water baptism um, a block party. Uh, City View, that's the way we had. We had block parties, and we would invite neighborhoods to come in, and uh, we would, uh, you know, just give our testimony, and we would, uh, you know, worship God and just, you know, talk to the people in the neighborhood, set up bounce houses and stuff like that. So we had a mobile uh, baptismal that we would pull out into the parking lot, and so there was hundreds of people that came to uh, this block party. And so 
uh, three guys in the program, including myself, all decided that we wanted to give our lives to Christ and do a baptismal right there. So right there in the parking lot, we all gave our life to Christ. And Pastor, uh, Pastor Mike and Jennifer, uh, Pastor Mike came out, and he's the one that did the water baptisms with us. So one by one, three of us, homeless men that were going through some kind of an addiction, some kind of, a, a, you know, whatever that, that man was going through, being homeless, are now have given our lives to Christ, and now we're doing a public. Uh, representation of hey we're giving our lives to Christ and you know we're new we're new creation now and so all three of us did that and we did it in front of hundreds of strangers that just came to the block party just to you know see uh, what City View was about and that's what we did you know, there's three guys homeless men that were lost that decided hey we're gonna give our lives to Christ and we're also gonna represent it and and do it publicly so you um, yeah, didn't get your life totally fixed up at that point, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My life changed totally. I it mean, totally changed afterwards. But yes. before you were baptized, you didn't get your life together. No. I mean, I was working on it. You know, I was building a relationship with God. I didn't have that relationship yet. But I felt different once, once I said, okay, I need to do this. I'm going to do it. And then publicly, when I came out of the water, I, I just shouted. I just screamed at the top of my lungs, like, thank you, Jesus. You know, here I am. I'm saved. I'm new. And that's, you know, and I felt it when I came out. And, you know, I've never been the same ever since. Well, and we're glad that you're not the same. <laughs> thank you. How about you this morning? Where are you at? Do you honestly have a relationship with Jesus? You're following Jesus. He is Lord. That means boss. Has he forgiven you of your sins? Maybe you're one who at one time, and Sherry prayed for them in the early part of the service, you were part of church, you were part of the family of God, and then you went on your own. You slipped away, you slipped out and lived for yourself for a period of time, maybe years. But you want to come home. Jesus loves you. His arms are open to welcome you for the very first time or to welcome you back home. We are going to allow you to pray with someone today if that's what you desire. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be part of his family, to be his child. And who knows what your future will be, but he's got it. He's God of your present. He's God of your future. He's working with you to write your story. But the line I love in this song is he holds it all together. Even when it seems like it's spinning apart, he holds it all together. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. 
And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.